Hello. Thank you for joining LTC DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing, APACN. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy for APACN. And I'm here today with Lisa Morris. Lisa is the current chair of the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists Board of Directors and is the Executive Director of Clinical Services for Consana. Lisa has 15 years as a consultant pharmacist with a broad background in home health care, hospice, retail, and respiratory pharmacy. Lisa joins me today to discuss drug diversion in the nursing home, including how to investigate and what nurse leaders can do to lower their facility's risk. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Before we get started, I just wanted to mention that listeners should stay tuned until the end of the podcast for details on our October podcast listen and win contest and a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Let's get started. Drug diversions in the nursing home can go easily unnoticed. What should nurse leaders look for other than the daily narcotic counts being off? So there's a lot to look for, and it's really two broad categories I always talk about. First of all, you're looking for any signs in a healthcare professional that may have a substance abuse problem, and then you're looking for clues of diversion. And so I'll talk a little bit first about those clues you might find in somebody who has a substance abuse problem. And those folks maybe have some work absenteeism, especially shortly after a diversion is noticed frequent disappearances from the work site or long trips to the bathroom or other storage areas. These folks may insist on personal administration of controlled substances rather than sharing that with the team, sharing that responsibility. Often they'll come in early and they'll work late when they are present for work. A lot of times they will volunteer for overtime, especially on weekends and holidays, or they'll volunteer to do med pass. You might notice some confusion or memory loss or inability to remember details or a change in appearance or attitude. Sometimes they'll wear long sleeves when it's not appropriate. And then there's the obvious drug overdose or overuse of tremors, sweating, headache, nausea that we're all familiar with. And then something that we don't often think about is they may be making new purchases from the money they have made from selling medications. And then as for some of the clues to diversion, you want to keep an eye out for any of our residents who might be reporting poor pain relief. Um, And some of the clues that maybe the narcotics have been tampered with, pills that are taped back into the blister packs, which is a huge no-no, or maybe a change in viscosity or color of a liquid. Liquid morphine is one of the most often targeted abused medications. You want to look at your capsules when you're dispensing them. Is there any powder adhering to the outside of the capsule? That could be a sign that perhaps the capsule has been opened and something else has been put in it. You may notice some of the staff that is taking the medications has an obsession with your e-kits, or you might notice large amounts of wasted controlled substances by one nurse or on one shift. Sometimes they may be signing out a controlled substance but not giving it. And then you might notice significant increases in medication refills for controlled substances. 
So be sure and look through those pharmacy manifests. You'll notice the obvious one that we all check on is discrepancies between count sheets and MARS, some alterations in telephone orders for controlled substances, and frequent incorrect controlled substance inventory counts. So I know that was a lot, but there are a lot of little small things to look for that can add up and give you a clue as to what's going on. Lisa, as a consultant pharmacist, I'm sure you've been involved in drug diversion investigations. Can you share with our listeners some best practices for handling this type of investigation? Sure. So the best practice is definitely to know ahead of time, be prepared. So know your state's definition of what is a significant discrepancy. And also remember that when we're talking about controlled substances, it is not only about how much may be missing, but if there is a trend. And you also want to know what is your corporate policy or your employer's policy about medication discrepancy. Many, many states do not specify. In the past, I know we've had a percentage missing or some sort of definition, but nowadays many states don't specify what qualifies as a significant discrepancy. So my advice when you notice that some things are missing are to immediately call your consultant pharmacist so you can loop them in on the investigation. Call in any of the staff that is involved in what you may have noticed was missing immediately so that you can all get together and close the loop there and figure out what is going on. When you're determining if a loss is significant, there are several factors that you want to consider. What is the actual quantity of controlled substances lost in relation to your business? So that means if you're looking at a bottle of morphine and it looks like it's a half a mil off, that's not a significant loss, right? Because we know that it's a little bit hard to read the meniscus on those bottles. So that's not something you're going to want to call the DEA about. On the other hand, if you have a bottle of morphine sulfate missing, that's significant. You want to keep an eye on what specific controlled substances are lost. Some are more often diverted than others. Morphine liquid is one of those. Fentanyl patches is another. And you want to look at whether the loss of the controlled substances can be associated with access to those with controlled substance access by specific individuals. Can it be attributed to unique activities that might take place involving the controlled substances? So is there a pattern of the same person or the same hall or the same team with this significant loss? You want to look at if there's a pattern over a specific time period. Do the losses appear to be random or does it look like there is a pattern and maybe efforts have been taken to cover them up? And then are the specific controlled substances likely candidates for diversion? And then you want to look at local trends. You know, there's some areas of the country, some regions where one controlled substance is more often abused than another. I know for a period here in Texas, we were very concerned and we had issues with fentanyl patches. So sort of know what's going on in your state and in your region. That's really helpful information. Lisa, what can a facility do to lessen the likelihood of a drug diversion in the facility? So, you know, it comes back to policies and procedures all the time. And you really need to break down the chain of custody and make sure you have policies around each of those steps. So, for instance, when it comes to ordering a controlled substance, who can do it? That shouldn't be a random thing. 
you need to know who on each shift and on each day during the week and on the weekend, who can order controlled substances, who can take a telephone order or an emergency order. How is that handled? When it comes to the delivery logs from the pharmacy, who can sign for these? And what are they supposed to do? You need to have a step-by-step -step process as to how those deliveries are reconciled and what is done with the controlled substances. Goes along with that is the verification of delivered medications. I know it's really easy to grab that delivery box and put it in the med room and just go on about your day. But if there's a controlled substance in there particularly, the manifest needs to be checked off against the contents of the box. It's very important. Count sheets and reconciliation. Who can sign and verify narcotic count sheets? And how often are they reconciled? Is it every shift? Is it every time medication is administered? Will the DON reconcile those in addition to the staff? And what happens if somebody comes in late on a shift? Who gets the narcotic or the med cart keys? You need to have a process around all of that. Make sure that your fentanyl patches are dated when they are put on. And make sure that you have at least two people, one during the week and one during the weekend, and that may be the same person. But you want to be very clear about different shifts and different parts of the week. Who is the last person or the person that is ultimately responsible for this narcotic count? So everybody knows who to call if it looks like something has gone awry. Expired medications. Who can prepare those controlled substances for drug dissection and where will they be kept until they are destroyed? You know, those medications are often a huge target for theft. So it all comes back to policies and procedures. I think that's all I've got. Well, that's very helpful. Thank you very much. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yes. So, you know, prevention is the key here. Know all about your policies and procedures and have a plan. Have a plan for how you're going to prevent it because you want to make it really easy for people to do the right thing. Don't make it easy for them to be tempted. And the other thing that I think is important is to be aware of the most commonly diverted controlled substances. And those are hydrocodone, oxycodone, hydromorphone, morphine sulfate, fentanyl, alprazolam, and diazepam. And know that just because of what we've been through in this last 18 months, stresses are very high. And we have seen a lot more drug diversion. So, you know, keep in mind that not only it can happen, but that you should have an employee assistance program. Be prepared to guide your employees toward that and be proactive in that so that we don't have to worry about the thefts, so we can get things taken care of before anything bad happens. Lisa, thank you for sharing this very important information with our listeners. It was great information, and I'm sure our listeners are really going to appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Listeners, as I mentioned earlier, this is a special podcast in which we'd like to ask you a few questions, too. We're looking for insight on your experiences with drug diversion in your facilities. Participants who respond to our questions will be placed into a drawing to win a $100 Amazon gift card. The contest will run from September 23rd to October 14th of 2021. All responses should be submitted to a pack-in by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time 
on October 14th to be considered for a chance to win. Please visit www.apacin.org forward slash podcast dash contest to learn more and provide your responses to the following questions. The first question is, have you ever received a survey citation due to issues with a drug diversion investigation? And if so, how? Our second question is, what is your biggest challenge with county narcotics? And then lastly, what change will you make in your practice after listening to today's podcast? Thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse leaders, please visit our website at www.aapacn.org. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC DON chat podcast. Heard the news about how you can improve quality care and increase efficiency with Ability? Ability offers a range of applications to simplify the complexity of healthcare, allowing organizations of all types and sizes to spend more time on care and less time manually collecting, analyzing, and reporting data. This allows you to remain in compliance while making data-driven decisions that benefit residents. With Ability, your facility can improve resident outcomes, optimize reporting data, enhance reimbursements, and much, much more. Discover what Ability has to offer at abilitynetwork.com slash a pack-in. 